Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. Before we jump in, I want to make sure that you know that I appreciate you. I appreciate you tuning in, your support of this podcast. If you can share this with one friend that you know would get benefit from it, well, then there would be at least a dozen shares of this episode. Last week, we took a little look at why those that are left of normal can thrive in an entrepreneurial settings. But there are a few added difficulties that we just kind of have to slog through. This week, we're taking a little look at what we call social expectations, sometimes called social norms. Now, obviously, my point of view is going to be the left of normal looking at these norms and how normies uh, just adhere to them, but I'll also try to look at the normies' point of view as well. So if you follow the Facebook page, you may have seen that on Monday, I posted a link to Psych Central, an article from Psych Central about social skills, interactions, etc., etc. And one of the main points in there <coughs> was that Over the years, those with autism were often seen as lacking social skills. As in, they just kind of don't have them. They didn't understand them. Or they couldn't keep up with the cues of social norms. However, the latest research has moved a little bit away from that. And basically it says that it's not that left of normals don't have these social skills. It's that their social skills are just different. Now, I should say that uh, these different social skills or these uh, in not adhering to the social expectations doesn't mean that all-out anarchy is better. We're not, <clears throat> I'm not saying that social deviation is better, and we shouldn't just all push back against the establishment. Now, there's a loud, a loud minority out there that seems to think that social dissonance is the only way to spark change in society and claims nothing ever changes unless you stand up for your rights. This episode is not about fighting the man merely for the sake of fighting the man. Uh, It's not to say that we see social norms and we go opposite just because we don't like them, but really it's to talk about social expectations that are the same for everyone yet our skill levels in participating in these uh, expectations differ. Over the years, the majority gets to write what's expected for cultures. The the majority of Americans are normies, and so they get to decide what is and what is not appropriate for human-to-human interaction. Now, it's important to point out that we are talking about American culture here, because that's that's kind of where I live, and I'm pretty sure most of my listeners <clears throat> are in the U.S. or at least Western culture. Uh, social expectations will vary culturally between cultures. What's frowned upon here might be smiled upon elsewhere. So I'll go through a few of these expectations, how they're seen from the left of normal lens, and how they're seen in the U.S., or at least Western. And then I'll try to see them through the normie lens as well to see where 
kind of they're picking up on things or what that expectation is or why it's even there. Maybe someday we can bring a normie guest on to see how they interpret the world. All right, so let's jump right in. We're going to start with my favorite eye contact. Now, I've gone through this a lot before, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Uh, which, by the way, if you've read or watched the Lemony Snicket series, there's a fabulous pun about the dead horse. Uh, when the orphans are attending Proofrock Preparatory School, they discover that the school's mascot is actually a dead horse. Why? Because you can't beat a dead horse. So at their pep rally, they chant, who can't be beat? And the crowd replies, a dead horse. Anyway, our culture has said that you're rude, disrespectful and a bad listener if you don't look at someone in the eye when they're talk when you're talking to them. Now, this is largely a cultural thing. There are cultures where looking someone in the eye, and especially an elder or person in a position over you, is considered to be rude, basically the opposite of what we expect here in the US. Now, for many left of normal people, staring into someone's eyes is not only difficult, but it can require so much concentration, we can't really focus on the conversation anymore. From the normie perspective, I understand that it looks as though you're not being acknowledged if you're trying to talk to somebody and their eyes are off somewhere else, staring at the floor, looking at a bug, whatever. So for myself, I have at least, I've forced myself to at least glance at the eyes here and there, so it doesn't look like I'm being totally dismissive, but really when my eyes aren't on yours, I can pay attention. Another one of my favorites is small talk. Now, the definition of small talk, I've realized, varies between people, and it varies between the same people depending on the relationship. Now, suppose I'm at a networking event, and I meet someone for the first time, and I ask where they're from and what they do for a living, why are, what they think of the social gathering, and all those small talky type questions. Those kind of get-to-know-you type questions, they help form a preliminary bond, and they also help to uh, kind of a judge the other person and kind of feel them out, see what kind of talker they are, how much information they want to give. And also, you know, if you're networking, you want to see if they're in a supporting or a supporting position or supporting industry, or if they're a competitor. So the next time I see that person, maybe at the next networking event, I can reach back into my memory if I actually paid attention when they were talking, and I can follow up with questions like, hey, last time we talked, you said you were suffering from some explosive diarrhea. Did you ever get that under control? Usually said very loudly and with other people around to hear it. Now, if it's somebody that I already know, I already know what they do, and I know about their family and all of that, some of these questions are just unreasonable, and I wouldn't be asking them again. And then they end up being trite, because we end up talking about the same thing over and over and over, such as the weather, and how about them bears, and various pro sports teams that I don't follow. So what it ends up being is, small talk is anything that just fills the words with fills the air with words because you feel like you have to fill the air with words. 
and it's really nothing more than a display uh, how good you are at small talk, but ultimately nothing gets accomplished. Now that leads us to our the next uh, expectation, the next social norm here. It's very similar, and that's the expectation that we are design that that's designed so that whenever you're in a group or you're with someone else one or more people must always be talking society deems being quiet amongst others to be avoided because somehow that's bad you can test this out just try to sit with somebody for a period of time without saying any words for a lot of people it just gets so uncomfortable you can almost feel it now, if you are in a sales position, it's actually a really good sales tactic. By staying silent or not talking all the time, speaking minimally, the person you're trying to sell to will actually start negotiating against themselves because they feel so uncomfortable with the silence. If you go into it with this point of view, it's actually fascinating to watch people just get super flustered because you're not rambling on about your product or service. So anyway, social expectations are that silence isn't golden, no matter what the saying might tell you. So many people just try to force words into the air for the sake of filling the air with words. I theorize that that is why small talk was invented in the first place, because people were so uncomfortable, they just grabbed whatever small conversation, their small topic they could think of. Now, from a normie lens, I can only understand kind of on paper, if you want to put it that way, why that some of them love to talk. It just makes them feel good. Somehow, the more words coming out of their mouths and the more words filling the air means it's a more exciting time and ultimately more fulfilling than the time otherwise spent together would be. So if they leave a situation where things were rather silent, they go home and they're just sad. As long as we're talking about words, let's talk about the words we like to call sarcasm. This one's a bit interesting because I enjoy sarcasm immensely, and I enjoy it especially when it's properly used. Oscar Wilde, Poet and playwright from back in the 1800s famously famously stated, sarcasm is the lowest form of wit, but the highest form of intelligence. Now, I've only ever seen this statement in writing. Uh, I wasn't quite yet born in the late 1800s. So I don't know if he was actually being sarcastic when he made that statement about sarcasm. What I do know, however, is that sarcasm, when used properly can be amazing. It's actually very witty, intelligent, astoundingly funny, and often a bit passive-aggressive. For those who know me know that I'm not a active-aggressive person. I find those interactions to be very uncomfortable. But passive-aggression is much easier and almost kind of fun. So therefore, when I can weave proper sarcasm into conversations, it's truly incredible. The problem is that most people just aren't any good at using sarcasm. They use it as a way of saying one thing, but meaning the other. It's kind of the definition, but really it's uh, not how it's used. They, they 
do that, but they don't using it that way. The way they're using it is just to confuse people more than astound people. They seem to believe that if they can use sarcasm, I use sarcasm in this sentence in quotes, they use sarcasm to confuse the person, then they have used sarcasm very well. It's well done. And ultimately, it just makes people annoyed because you said one thing, you meant another, now they're just confused, but you didn't use sarcasm in the proper way. And so now social expectations and social norms kind of look down on sarcasm in general. And I know there are a lot of people on the spectrum, a lot of left of normal people that don't understand it. They kind of get confused, uh, mostly because a lot of it is used wrong. And if you're saying one thing, why are you saying that without meaning that what you're saying? So anyway, I don't know if normies perceive sarcasm in another way other than the more confused the recipient is, the better they did it. Maybe some normie listeners can fill me in on that one, especially my more sarcastic friends. You know who you are, and you know how bad at sarcasm you are. So from a young age, we, as a whole, as a people, we were told, we were conditioned to mind our manners. Be polite, say your pleases and thank yous, mind your P's and Q's. That latter one is a phrase uh, that gets its origin in an English pub, actually. Beer was served in pints and quarts, and when things got a bit rowdy, the bartender would yell out, Hey, mind your P's and Q's. Might have been Irish, I don't know. Uh, there are actually other... Uh, origin stories. Uh, another one that seems to make a lot of sense is uh, with printing presses. You're looking at a P and a Q and they look very similar, especially when you're loading a printing press. The P is going to be backwards and look like a Q and the Q will be backwards to look like a P. So they say mind your P's and Q's to make sure you're putting the right letters in the right tray. Anyway, the saying has evolved over time and simply means to mind your manners. Social expectations, however, have twisted manners to something that isn't exactly manners anymore. Now, minding your manners means don't say anything that might offend someone. Naturally, there's the thing called tact here. We, got, we have to kind of uh, take other people's feelings into consideration. So if my wife comes up to me and says, hey, does this dress make me look fat? And it does indeed make her look fat. I know that I should not say, yeah, you look like a chunky monkey. Instead, I can be tactful about it and say something about, like, you know, I think the red dress looks a lot better. Furthermore, we're supposed to not be direct with our comments because that's considered rude and without manners. So instead, we have to say what we mean without saying what we mean. Sounds a lot like sarcasm, actually. But by that, I mean it's something like this. Suppose I'm having a conversation with someone, and I mention that I'm going to be starting a business that sells drugs to junkies. It's more or less a captive market until they die. Margins are great, and I can quickly earn six figures while working just a couple hours a day. Social expectations would dictate that the conversational partner shouldn't say, you sound like a dumbass, and that's a stupid idea. Instead, they have to go along with something, minding their manners, and say, you know, I don't think that would be a great idea, and I especially don't think it would be viable for the long term. 
they kind of beat around the bush to say you're a dumbass and that's stupid, but they have to make it a little bit more polite. From the normie perspective, uh, it seems that being direct is being rude, whether or not that's the truth. Anytime you're very direct and you just tell it how you see it, you're put onto that rude scale of don't talk to this guy. He's a dumbass and has stupid ideas. Social expectations kind of say that if you're minding your manners, you can never be rude. And if you're direct, you're rude, so therefore you know, direct people are not minding their manners. Anyway, moving on, here's one that I doubt I'll really ever be able to figure out. And that's how to have a conversation in a group of people. You're standing there, there's two, three, four other people, and kind of a little circle conversation going along. Somehow the normies just know when it's their turn to talk. Or maybe they just don't realize how much they just interrupt and butt in and everyone just kind of goes with it. For me, I don't really know the social expectations on how these things are supposed to work. I didn't get that page in my manual when I was growing up on group conversations. Uh, so while normies are out there, they're having these conversations and I, I'm following along and I have a great insight to add. Now I don't know how to break into the conversation unless somebody specifically turns to me and says, Scott, do you have an idea or do you have an opinion on that? One of the social expectations that I know very well is don't interrupt other people. Another, however, says to speak up if you have something to say, especially if it's insightful or necessary. Now go back to that previous expectation on manners, but... What if it's insightful, factual, and it's in conflict with what the other person has just expressed? Do you correct them or just let them wallow in their ignorance? What generally happens is I don't say anything. The conversation shifts to a new topic, and I'm sitting there with my great insight, but it's too late to interject, and then when there is kind of a dull moment, I don't want to say, hey, remember 12 and a half minutes ago when we were talking about this other topic? Now it's just weird. And that's because group conversations are weird. They're kind of awkward, and normally I just sit there with blank look on my face. From the normie lens, I think the expectation is just to start blurting things out, and if, it, if you're the loudest one, people will follow along. But I'm not real sure on that. And I also don't know how it looks from the normie perspective when a person in the group conversation doesn't say anything. They just stand there with a blank look on their face. Again, someone in the comments might need to fill me in on that one. Lastly, let's wrap up with this idea that uh, it started to go away, but it was still especially prominent 20, 30, 40 years ago when I was a child. And that's the idea that we must sit still and listen. This usually goes for left of normal children and ADHD children as well. Uh, if you're fidgeting, social expectations, social norms say that you're not paying attention and you must be reprimanded. Now, obviously, there's a line here. If the child is fidgeting so much, they're disturbing other kids. That's an issue. But fidgeting not or not staring into the teacher's eyeballs or maybe doodling or something similar, a lot of children on the spectrum or the ADHD, they listen better when 
those things are going on. Now, it may look to the teacher or the normie that the child isn't paying attention, but their mind is actually focused on the words, not focused on doing the right thing because expectations say it's the right thing to do. And so they ultimately listen better by doing what comes natural to them and not what the expectation forced upon them says to do. So I want to wrap this thing up. I've got a little example. i got a metaphor, in a sense, an exemplum if we want to go Latin. Some might say it's an anecdote. Uh, 10% of the U.S. population is left-handed. Uh, I'm not left-handed, so I'm going to flip this around. So imagine you line up with 50 people, uh, 49 others. You're all given a ball, and there's a hoop about eh, 20 feet away. And whoever organized this event says, uh, using your left hand and only your left hand, throw the ball through the loop. And after you do, you get to enjoy some pizza. And if you miss, you, you get four more tries. If you can't get it, then bread and butter and you get to eat alone. So everyone in the group, you notice, is very excited. It's a fairly easy task. 20 feet away isn't that far. The hoop's real big. It's like a hula hoop sort of thing. And they're excited because it's easy because all of them are left-handed. But you are right-handed. And so everyone just lobs the ball through the hoop and moves on like it's no big deal. It's easy, comes naturally, and they get to enjoy all the perks of life and the delicious pizza. And if you're right-handed, and I suspect most of you listening in are, you know that throwing left-handed isn't exactly easy. You can do it, sure, but it takes a ton of practice, and even then it's, I don't know, clunky, it's awkward, it's kind of hard to do. And more and more inv individuals come up to the line, they toss the ball through the hoop and move off to the pizza party. And you get up to the line and try to throw with your left hand and it makes it about seven feet and then clunks to the ground. Uh, if you're lucky, nobody notices, but usually people will just laugh. And eventually you're left just kind of isolated, wondering what the heck is wrong with you. You get to your fifth try and you fail this simple task, and so you're ushered away from everyone else, either even further solidifying the idea that there is something wrong with you, because not only do you can you not do these things that appear to be very simple, you don't even get to be around the other people that can do them to figure out why it's so simple for them. And never mind the fact that if you were able to use your right hand, you could throw that ball through a hoop with 100% accuracy, even if the distance was doubled and the target size was cut in half. You didn't live up to the social expectations... And now you're labeled as not only different, but deficient or inadequate or inferior. So what's the solution here? Well, in this case, it's pretty easy. Just allow participants to use the dominant hand to complete the task. So why, when we switch things up to social expectations, do we ask everyone to use the popular skills to adhere to social expectations and norms and not use the skills with which they excel. For now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Please don't forget, like, comment, subscribe, join the, 
join the Facebook community where you can ask any questions that you want to ask. Remember that left of normals aren't lacking in social skills, but rather we have different social skills that most, no- most normies might not understand. And of course, share this podcast with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.